The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday movie muckabout because the podcasting world needs another movie review show. As I have said multiple times, I am Rick, also known as not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I love movies. I always have. Or as near as long as I can remember I have, but I've always loved movies, and I got this large collection of them. And sometimes it really surprises me when people I have known for a while haven't seen a movie that I consider to be a classic. So I beg and plead and, and, and ask them really nicely to come on my show, and eventually I break them down and they do. And this time, let me tell you, I got a real special guest for you. This is somebody who has known me all my life, and that is my older sister, Teresa. Teresa, how are you doing, sis? Hello, Rick. I am doing great. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I, I know this is way outside your comfort zone, so I really do appreciate you doing this with me. I, I wanted to get you, I want to get my dad on here. I, I'd like to get mom on here too, but I, I think mom probably would be the one to get easier on it. But I wanted to get my family members on here because you guys have known me the longest. And even though we're a bit different, I thought this would be fun. And I thought this would be an interesting thing for us to do together. Plus, I, you know, I know that you and I have seen movies in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which because you are <laughs> quite a bit younger than me. So things that yes. when I was a teenager, and you were a young boy, probably weren't the same movies. But <laughs> But at the same time, I have a real love for a lot of 80s movies, so, you know. Yes. <laughs> and, and I wasn't, I mean, a lot of those teenage 80s movies were, I was coming into them, but that was your cup of tea at that point in time. Right. So I know that when, I don't know, when I was in my teens and you were in your 20s, every now and again, we get together, especially over summer, and we go see movies. I remember us going to see a few different movies in Mall 205. I cannot remember which ones they were, but I know that there were times that you and I went to see them. You probably won't remember this, but there used to be a drive-in movie theater, and so we'd have pajamas and everything. And I remember seeing Tron. I can't remember what the, the second movie to that was. But the, I remember the first one was Tron, I think. Well, I, I, I love Tron. I still love that to this day. I did, I did not remember seeing that in the movie in a drive-in, though, as my first time. That's cool. I do remember the drive-in movie theaters. I remember going to them, but I don't really remember too many of them because I was, I was way too young to really grasp right. most of the movies at that point in time. And then they started going away. Yeah. I think I remember one of the times that I, I want to say mom and dad dropped us off at the theater and I was watching either I was watching some movies, a movie in one theater and you were seeing a movie in another theater. And I went in to get you or wait for you in the other movie theater and you were seeing Rocky 3. Okay, that probably was at Mall 205. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was Because I remember I came in the end of it and I watched the last scene. Yeah. I do remember that. And then for weeks or maybe months after that, you kept singing... I have the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> this is factual. <laughs> this would be about right. I would get things like that stuck in my mm -hmm. head and much to the annoyance of the family <laughs> and friends and everybody else. I, I know that you and your husband and your family have borrowed movies from me from time to time and you have kind of, you know, we, we've talked about movies and I know I've given you guys movies. What is your favorite style of movie, I guess, would be the question. Usually it's what's hot right now because you like to talk about it with friends because it's going on at that time period. I'm trying to think of what current movies that we've watched. I mean, of course, everybody's in quarantine right now, so it's a lot of Netflix things. And we just kind of go to what's trending and look at those things. What was going blank? 
I, I know it's it, it's hard to think back because I mean you start talking to people about what's the last movie you saw uh-huh. in the movie theater and it's like, oh, movie theaters. I remember those places. Yeah. So movie theater that was. Oh, please don't tell me that it was Mamma Mia two. <laughs> <laughs> the last movie you ever saw in a movie theater was Mamma Mia two. <laughs> yeah. And then I know it was the one about the horse, uh, war horse. But I think that was a couple of years ago. But most of the time, you just look for the the popular movie, the movie that's kind of people that's are talking about, now. people are buzzing about. Mm-hmm. My husband loves to rewatch movies. So, like today, there was the Indiana Jones series. So that was going on in the background while I was doing housework and stuff. <laughs> See, I know there's a reason I like Tim. I mean, I can get on here and, and Tim and I can have a, a long discussion about Strange Brew and him giving and introducing me to that movie when I was younger. Yeah, so. he, he has some strange movies that he always has to share with people. Oh, you got to watch this. And he could watch something like 10 or 12 times. And my daughter and I will just sit there like Dumb and Dumber. We don't, watch, we don't really watch Dumb and Dumber. We watch him cracking up at the movie that that's that's our entertainment <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that there is nothing wrong with that at all if somebody can find their joy and and be in their joy and people can get enjoyment out of their joy that is called a win for me <laughs> well I, i'm gonna stop putting you on the spot about that stuff for now and instead i'm gonna move over to the movie that I would like you to watch. Are you ready for me to tell you which one that is? Yes. Yes, I'm curious. Okay. You sent me a very good list, and, and you actually used my collection as your as your picking point. So I've got all these movies, and I, I was very familiar with all of them, which may have made my choice even harder. But I decided to give you, from 2002, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that was directed by Kevin Reynolds, and it stars Jim Cazavell, Guy Pierce, James Frain, and Louise Guzman, and a few other people as well. What do you know about the story, about the movie? I read the book many years ago, so I, I know it's uh, he's been put in prison, and I want to say he was put in prison in Shindabin, but I... I kind of remember the storyline. And so when I saw that, I was trying to get a wide variety when I was going through the list. And so when I saw that, I go, oh, that might be interesting to watch the movie since I can't remember the storyline since the book I read so many years ago. But I remember enjoying the book when I did read it. I mean, you probably had no recollection of a movie from 2002, but did you ever have any interest in going and seeing a movie on Counter Monte Cristo at all? Oh, no, it never passed my mind. So maybe I didn't even know that it was out there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) for me personally, and and before we start recording, I actually gave you choices of three different words with three different movies I had in mind to give you. And I had this one as childhood. And the reason why is because for me personally, this was a movie and a story that I've always been familiar with because I don't know if you remember this at all, but this was... That looks really familiar. It should. This is the (laughs) record of Tailspinners of Children's Count of Monte Cristo. It's the famous theater company and the Hollywood Studio Orchestra, United Artists. I I was looking for a date on this thing, and I couldn't find it. I'm going to look a little harder after we get done recording, but this was in our family's record collection for Ah. years, and I listened and listened and listened to this over and 
and over and over. This is probably, it looks familiar to you because that's where you probably have seen it before. Yep. And the tape looks really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Our dad <laughs> loves to use that tape. But I, I stole this from my parents when they started getting rid of their LPs because this had a special place for me. Do you remember at all listening to this? I don't. I remember mom and dad's old record player. It was a huge box. Oh, yeah. And I think I listened to those 70s records and stuff. But I remember seeing that. But I don't remember listening to the music off of it. Yeah, this is this is actually just a two-sided record that has the entire story. Or it's an abridged story, I uh, should say. Okay. It's very much a bridge to, to fit on this size. So it's there is music that goes with it. But it's, it's actors saying the parts. And it's burned into my head because of it. And that's what made me think of it. And that's what always had me interested in this movie. And I remember watching this, seeing this movie in the theaters. It also starred, starred Guy Pierce and Jim Cazavell, and they were fantastic actors as yeah. well. When you say 2002, I, I understand why I didn't even know that the movie existed because then my daughter would have been about four years old. And at that time, we saw zero movies. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was more of being at home all the time and just looking for people to watch the grandma yes. and grandpa needs to watch the kids so we can go out and do something. Right. Yeah. Yes. So at that time, we were just watching them whenever they made it to TV. Thing. <laughs> now is your opportunity because your daughter, my niece is graduated now. So you have all the free time in the world. And you have somebody that you can borrow the movie from as well. So I am going to get you this copy, since you're just across town, and I'm going to let you watch it. And after you watch it, we'll come back and have a discussion about 2002's Count of Monte Cristo. Sounds good. Hello! Hey, Monte, come on. Good, you finally hit something. Being your friend is always an adventure. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Edmund Dantes had a promising future and a love I missed you so that any man would envy as soon as I can afford the ring we'll I don't end. need a ring I don't you're under arrest by order of the magistrate of Marseille I demand an explanation it was you why are you doing this it's complicated I didn't quite understand why you were betraying him, but now, having seen his exquisite fiancée, I understand completely. I am innocent. We inform Mercedes that Edmond Dantes has been executed. My advice, take solace in the comfort of your good friend. No! You are a soldier. Teach me the knife, the sword. Oh, good! Too good. He's walk of escape. In return for your help, I offer something priceless. The treasure of Monte Cristo. Follow the clues. You are wealthier than any man I have ever heard of. What do you want to buy? Revenge. This fall, I will change my identity. I shall become a count. Ladies and gentlemen, the Count of Monte Cristo. Count on revenge. Death is too good for them. They must suffer as I suffer. I'm a count. Not a saint. The Count of Monte Cristo. And we are back. 
All right. Before we start to talk about the Count of Monte Cristo from 2002, I would like to give you a short, short synopsis to kind of get you in the right mindset of this film if you haven't watched it, which you really should. Life is looking pretty good for Edmond Dante. He has a beautiful fiance, has just been made the captain of his own ship, and he has a close boyhood friend who has his back. That is until he is turned in as a traitor for being in possession of a secret communique from Napoleon and sent to prison in the dreaded Chateau d'If. His best friend Mondego conspired with his first mate of the ship, Denglars, and the chief prosecutor, Villefort. All men with something to gain, locked away and believed dead, Dante is isolated for years before befriending another prisoner who is tunneling out of the prison. Dante becomes educated by this man, is provided a map to a buried fortune from him, and Dante uses the man's own death to escape. It is the found fortune that provides Dante with his new identity, the Count of Monte Cristo, and the means to exact revenge on all those who have wronged him. So, Teresa, my wonderful sister, what did you think of this film? I really liked it. Good, good. It was great. I really enjoyed it. it. It's it's a kind of movie that you could watch again to get a little bit more out of it again. Just a, just enough of that, a uh, little bit of intrigue, a little bit of history, a little bit of action and adventure. Yes. It also had a feel of the Man with the Iron Mask movie. Yeah. Kind of come from that same genre of writers, of French writers, of action and adventure in that time. Exactly. Yes. How did it meet up with your expectations of especially since you had read the book a long time ago and had just a little bit of knowledge. Did it come back to you or? It did. As it was going on, I go like when he was in the the prison and the priest comes up through the floor and I go, Oh yeah, there was that, that guy. It, and then, then I remembered, you know, cause I was thinking, how did he get rich? You mm-hmm. know, I couldn't remember. And so those little things came up and they, you know, just would remember little bits and pieces as it was going on and it would fill my memory. Of course, I couldn't remember how it ended. And so that was, you know, a a surprise. (laughs) I didn't do a lot of research into the differences between the movie and the novel because I I really didn't care too much of this. I know that the novel is beloved and it is known pretty well, but I think the story in and of itself is one that can lend itself to a lot of artistic license. In fact, I just, I recently read a book, comic book, a graphic novel put out by Ibrahim Mustafa, and it's called The Count, and he takes the the premise of The Count of Monte Cristo and does it in the future, a little bit like a um, kind of a little bit more space, a little bit more of a swashbuckling type of adventure, but and, and changing certain aspects of it, especially the Napoleon part, they kind of drop that and put some other things in. But that just shows that there's a little bit of flexibility you can do with a storyline in order to make it fit whatever narrative you want. I did listen to the director. No, it wasn't the director, it was the screenwriter. And he mentioned that it didn't match exactly to the book. Some of the characters changed and, and whatnot. And he said he didn't care what he was doing was making a movie. He wasn't making the book into a movie. He did it so that it would be for movie watching. So they're, they're, now I'm anxious to go back and read the book to see what did change out of it. Well, that's good, though. I, I think that that's also a good... I think that's one of the things that film can actually provide to people. It can re-injuvenate them to go and see the source material or to find out more about something or to get in, interested in the subject matter that's about. It can entertain as far as and also entice people to go somewhere else, which is which is also good, too. I'm glad that you enjoyed the film. I'm glad that it met your expectations. Let's talk a little bit about the film itself, though, and kind of dice apart some things you liked. What were some of the high points of the movie for you? What are some of the things that really stood out that you really enjoyed a lot? 
Well, there was the piece where the, the priest had just died. The priest is his friend in the jail that he learned all of this information from. And the, at the last minute, he gave him the, the secret map to go find the treasure. But that's not the point that I wanted to point out. So he had died and he's in this little bag and the wardens leave the room for a moment. And Dante, you think that he's going to slip away into his own room, but instead he gets into the bag and you don't know that until the the wardens are tossing him over it. The last minute he reaches his arm out and grabs the keys that will unlock his bag and he, he flies off. And, and so that one, my husband and I both watched it together and Tim and I jumped up and he goes, yes, he got it. He, he's out. <laughs> so that was, that was thrilling to watch. We we're kind of talking earlier on about the childhood memories for me with this. And not only did I remember the record that our parents used to have and my dad had, but I know that my dad had, and we were kind of talking about this before we start recording today. My dad had a three ring binder. And for all of my friends out there who have comic books, hang on. My dad had this three ring binders where he had these old classic illustrated comic books that he had three hole punched and put into this binder. But the one of them that he had was the Count of Monte Cristo. And I remember reading that, reading that. And I remember in that they have him just thrown over the side of the boat and he's got to, you know, he grabbed a knife at some point in time and he's got to kind of cut himself free. It's a lot more thrilling in this movie because they do it from the top of the Shadow Dief and he goes over this giant cliff dive almost and pulls the warden with him, which is also fun. But yes, who yes. was not a nice guy. So well, that, <laughs> yeah, that is Michael Wincott as Armand Deluc. And I always think of him from the movie The Crow. He's the bad guy in The Crow. He's also one of the characters in, I think, um, Alien 3 or no, Alien, uh, Alien 4, uh, I think it's Resurrection or something like that. Um, but I, I, you see him everywhere. He's a very interesting character actor. Uh, he was also in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, too. He was a um, guy of Gisborne, I think, in that movie. Why a spoon, cousin? Anyways, I, he's just one of my favorite little character actors that you see everywhere. And he plays a great villain. I love him as a villain. We're on the topic, and, and I guess we should talk about the main star, about and Menantes himself, Jim Caviezel. And... What did you think about him? What did you think about him as in the role of the main character? Oh, I thought he did an excellent job. He was great. I've seen him in other films, Frequency and Passion and all that. It was nice to see him in that role. The thing that we kept questioning is like, how can nobody recognize him when he is the Count? Because he obviously looks like himself. I mean, he's slightly different, but... <laughs> it's one of the hardest things to do without doing a complete makeover and it's it's the right it's the entire thing of is clark kent really superman if he just takes his glasses off you know how can you not or, tell exactly it's that it's same, that same thing, thing. It, um <laughs> but you have to kind of take a step back and realize well they really believed this person was dead when they knew him, he was right. a bit he was a bit more hunched over he was uneducated he wasn't as sure of himself he didn't have the facial hair so there's little things that you do uh, he did do a great job of being very naive-ish in the beginning mm -hmm. and not knowing things and then becoming sophisticated and well-educated in the end when he was the Count. So he did, he, he was definitely two characters when he was playing them. I think, and it's a really hard thing to do in a lot of films and kind of going back to Superman, I always think of the, the great scene in the first Superman film when Christopher Reeves, he's thinking about revealing himself as Superman to Lois Lane. And he's in her apartment. And he takes off his glasses. Oh, right. Takes off the glasses. <laughs> he just 
is straightens his back, pushes out his chest, and there's a, there's an entire aspect character change that he does. And that one scene, you realize how amazing of an actor Christopher Reeves is because you can buy it. You're like, oh, that's how you do that. And somebody like Jim Caviezel, he does a fairly decent job doing the same thing where he is two distinct characters just based upon how he holds himself, how he presents himself, a little bit of makeup and the facial hair, but that's just enough to keep people guessing. And it's easy to suspend belief in there, I think. what do you think about the character's growth, though? Did you find it believable that he could go through that long period of time in the prison, basically just surviving off of revenge and the opportunity to learn and to be educated by this priest and just basically surviving off the revenge? Was it believable enough that that would be enough to change a man? I, I think so, because there was a point where he was going to give it up completely. And he was at his last straw and he, did, he stopped believing in God. And, and then having that, I mean, it, it shows what having a goal and human intervention, because now he's got a friend that he can work together on this goal to get out of the prison. I mean, that was their whole thing. And, and that was the thing. I thought he would go back to his cell and now continue tunneling out and all that. But instead, he found another way to get out of there by jumping into his bag and, and getting out that way. But I think just that, you know, in life, it, people who are having a hard time, if they don't have that goal or, or something to strive for, they just kind of stay back and give up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's believable. I mean, it, it's hard to believe that he could become so strong on such little food and that sort of thing. They had enough sustenance. It wasn't great, but they had enough sustenance from what the prison gave them. But they were getting more than just that from eating rats. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. The rats. I totally forgot. See, I, I blanked that out because that's gross. That's disgusting. So I just blanked it you out. You have to survive. You have to find any way right. to survive. Let's talk about a few more of the characters then. We, we should start off with Guy Pierce, who played his best friend at the beginning and his the villain of the Dirk. piece. <laughs> What do you think about Guy Pierce playing Fernando Mandengo? Again, he did a great job because he made it so I hated him, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he played a great villain, and you, you kind of you you wonder about Mercedes, like how could you stay with him, you know, all that, and and then later on you figure you realize, well, she had to, yeah, have him in order to survive. So there was that aspect, but yeah, he, he was a good jerk <laughs> in that. <laughs> I, I always liked him. Uh, we, we've covered Memento on this program before and just the amazing job he did in Memento, which is a couple of years before this. So he, I knew him from that movie and then seeing him in this, it was kind of like, here's one of the reasons I came to see the movie because I liked him so much in Memento. And I was like, oh, he's a jerk in this one. Oh, darn. But yeah, yeah. He, he had a real good run in the late 90s and early 2000s between LA Confidential, Ravenous, Memento, Time Machine, and then... Uh, Count to Monte Cristo. Oh, time machine. I think that's maybe where I've seen him before. Yeah. He's got a very powerful look, a very striking look. And I think he does a good job of just being slimy and evil in this as well. Yeah. I forgot. I, we moved away from the prison, but I should go back to the prison because we should talk about the priest. We should talk about Abe Faria. Oh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in doing my rewatch of the film, I was like, he started speaking. I was like, it's Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, the late Richard Harrison. And it's, you know, it's kind of sad that he, he did pass away, but 
Yeah, he was the first Dumbledore in Harry Potter, the Philosopher's Stone, and the Chamber of Secrets before he passed away in 2002. This is just another one of the great films that he was in about that same time. And I think he does a pretty impressive job showing the age, but also showing that his mind and his own past experiences that can keep him moving and his own goals. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to sit down for this. I am going to get out. Yes. And he was the one that kept striving, don't be revengeful, take this and use this for good. But yet Dante couldn't, he had to do the revenge. Yeah. And But at the same time, I think enough of what the priest gave him in the training, in the conversations, in building up his mind, even though Dante's had to do the revenge, it was always still back there. Know when to stop, know when to stop. And between him uh-huh. and then his friend Jacopo, they both were kind of, Jacopo was kind of echoing the same thing. You have to stop at some time. You cannot keep going. If you keep going with revenge, it's going to continue to eat you up and you'll find out that there's nothing that you can live for. You have to find something that's going to be more positive. Yeah. When Jacopo said, you've got a beautiful woman that loves you. You've got all the money you want. What's your problem? Why do you have to go down this revenge thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really a good story about the dangers of revenge the rewards of doing revenge right <laughs> and and, right. and building up your own sense of worth and intelligence and and never stopping yes uh, we could talk a little bit about jacopo what did you think of his manservant jacopo <laughs> he's a crack up he was funny <laughs> he was a good sidekick yeah. i think and somebody that kept him in line mm-hmm too. And yeah, he was cute. <laughs> Very loyal. You kind of see him start off and you're like, well, is he going to stab Dante's in the back too? Yeah. He's got all this money there. Would he take the money and run and type of thing? But no, he he stayed true to his friend. Very loyal. Very honest. Not afraid to speak truth, truth to power, which is yeah. good to see. Played by Luis Guzman, who is pretty funny actor, a pretty good actor too. He's been in a lot of fun stuff as well, but it's enjoyment to see him as well. There's a lot of really good stars that kind of show up in this and and a lot of good scenery here. Is there anything in the movie that you didn't enjoy besides, you know, the eating of the rats? Is there anything else in the movie that you didn't enjoy or you thought that was kind of lacking in the storytelling or in in any part of the movie? Maybe they could brought out more of his son, you know, that piece. I mean, it was in the end, you realize that his son is his, mm-hmm. <laughs> but so maybe more of that character or more of what was going on when he was in prison. We focused on the prison and then we came to where he's the count. And then some of the story got filled in. I think part of the reason for that too, is that it's not completely true, but for the most part, you see the world through what he knows or he sees or he understands. So the pieces that he doesn't know, or he has to guess at, he's got to fill in the blanks. Well, he's in prison. He doesn't know what's going on out there. He doesn't know anything that's happened. And so it's, it probably is also a little bit of, I think it also provides a little bit of the pathos or sorrow in the film too, because you can see it from his eyes that, oh, this is my son. What have I missed not seeing him grow up? What have I missed? Yeah. That, and especially with uh-huh. his own relationship with his father, which was very close. And then he's like, I didn't get to have this with my son. That's one more thing. I didn't even know it was taken from me. And that's one more thing you took away from me. Right. Um, and we yeah. should mention the son because we've already mentioned Superman a few times. And I forgot <laughs> until I remembered when you mentioned the son played by Henry Cavell, who is currently the Superman that was in uh, Justice League and Superman versus Batman and Man of Steel. He is Superman himself. So, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, he looks pretty built there. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, he, yeah. He, he ended up being the man of steel. Um, <laughs> but he does a fine job, fine job playing the son who is little rich nobleman who all of a sudden he's got a little bit of backbone himself. He's able to stand up to the robbers when he's taken in, I think, the streets of Greece. Yeah, or Rome. Rome or... Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's able to stand up for himself and provides a positive feeling from Dante's when he starts to kind of see who he is. Yeah. What about the setting? What did you think about the, the cinematography and setting showing old France, old aristocracy? Yeah, it was very believable. Yeah, believable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to say on it. <laughs> I think it's believable. <laughs> like the, the, you know, the boats that they use, they seem to be from that time mm-hmm. period and the, the scenery. of Yeah, the, the cinematography in the film, I think, is is good. It's it's very compelling for the historical adventure part of it. The action scenes, what did you think of the action scenes? That's more Tim's deal is the action. <laughs> so I kind of like, okay, get over with the sword fight. Let's get it done with who wins in the end. That's that's my thing. I mean, I didn't like the robbery scene in Greece uh-huh. or wherever it was. Well, I didn't know where it was going because I could tell that it was a setup. Mm-hmm. It was the pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Dante was set that up so that he could look like the hero taking him. So that kind of, I, I, I didn't know about that. The action scenes were all the, the sword fights and stuff. So I'm not too into that anyway. So I just kind of didn't pay attention. <laughs> it's like the war scenes. I'm not that into the <laughs> get into the, uh, the other part of the movie. Get into more of the discussion and dialogue and, and yeah. And the and romance. The romance. <laughs> I would say that my only kind of complaint is it's, it's a time period when this was put out in early 2000s. It was kind of at the time where a little bit flashier, a little bit more quick cuts for some of the sword fight and action fights. And I just felt that like, oh, we have the early 2000s kind of quick cut little fight things. It was new, it was exciting. And that's the way we're doing fights now. It's like, can't we just have a good old school sword fight here? It doesn't have to be a lot of quick flashes and close-ups and things like that. And Okay, fine. Uh Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can kind of go with you a little bit on that as well. That's fine. It's fine. What else did you really enjoy about the film though? What else, what other parts really grabbed you or interested you? Yeah. The other scene that I like how they did it was when the the lawyer that originally put Dante in the sure, jail yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of that. Now Dante's come back and set him up and he has to go to prison. He, you know, he gets him arrested. Well, first of all, they were in the sauna and I'm thinking, okay, this guy is dying because he's got no clothes on, but the the heat's been turned up and Dante's full suited and not sweating anything. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was odd. But anyway, he confessed what he had done and then Dante opens up the vent and the police are watching him. So they get to arrest him. He gets into the, the cart to take him away to prison and there's a pistol there. And so you expect him to kill himself, mm-hmm. but Dante took the bullets out of the, the pistol. And so he tries to kill himself and nothing. And Dante says, well, I'll let you suffer like yeah. I did. So don't have the easy way out. The guard, as he's pointing to it, he says, you know, an out for the gentleman. And so yes. you know, if you're yes. poor, you have to suffer. But if you are rich, if you're seen as a gentleman, well, we're going to give you a chance to just go ahead and take care of it yourself. And yeah, Dante's like, nah, you're not going to get off that easy. I'm gonna, I'm not going to let you do it. I think I kind of like the scene in in the sauna because it kind of shows you how cool of a customer Dante's is. He already has suffered. He knows what pain is. He knows what suffering is. If he's in there, the fact that he's all dressed up, 
in a suit, not sweating at all, looking cool as a cucumber. It's because he's got the truth on his side. He's got his righteousness on his side. And he's making the other guy sweat both physically and mentally. And, and mentally. And, and, and that's what we get. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is just too much. It's too much. It's like, yeah, you can't handle it, but I have already handled it. This is my revenge. Yeah. And I, and just once again, you know, him looking at, at the count going, oh, you know, you're, you're all, it's really hot in here. Oh, it's fine for me. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The, the revenge plots and the lengths to which Dante's goes to is impressive. And we get the opulence of France and the opulence of the, of the things that he can buy with his money. Is there anything that you looked at in the film? Dins like, you know, I was on that island and I got all that <laughs> chest. I think I would like to have that. Is there anything that really stood out to you as something like, oh, I wish I could have that? Well, with money, you get in trouble. So um, <laughs> only if you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would I what would I do? What would I I guess just have the island to go to <laughs> whenever I want to. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> no, I, 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 blank. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mind you. An island all to yourself that you could just, you know, you know, I don't know what Napoleon's problem was at the beginning of the film. He had an island all to himself, you know? True, yeah. A nice yeah. island in the Caribbean. I mean, come on. Let's, you know, this is not bad. I'm sorry, Nothing not the Caribbean, uh, the, uh, the Mediterranean. I'm sorry, Mediterranean. Mediterranean. <laughs> wrong continent anyways um <laughs> having the money to be able to afford the revenge that you want and then at the very end he he buys the re remnants of the chateau d'if and you know as, as kind of a reminder and as a testament and so you know nobody else can suffer as well right he he was intending to take down the prison mm -hmm. and then he realized he wanted to keep it up but yeah, nobody would come in mm -hmm. and, and suffer like he did. Yeah. Uh, but just but being able to, you know, buy what you want and show off what you want and able to right. buy your way into the the position to be able to do what you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did do a lot of planning because maybe it was his, his little side kit that said, well, why don't you just shoot them all down and be <laughs> done with it? He's like, no, I want to, I want to do this right. So they suffer and they understand the only one who died on the spot was his old childhood buddy yeah, yeah. who was the biggest revenger. Yeah. I like the idea of uh, Jacobo saying, we can just kill him. I've got a gun yeah. right here. We could just, <laughs> I can do it right now. What, what are we waiting for? Yeah, What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. What's your problem? And a good thing that he held out on not revenging against Mercedes, because then mm -hmm. he found out the truth that she really didn't go off and cheat on him. And that reminds me, we, we haven't really talked about, Mercedes, Dagmara Dominique, and I've totally missaid her last name, but I'm not going to try any further than that. <laughs> uh, what did you think about her in this role? She was all right. I mean, she, as far as an actress, mm -hmm. maybe they, they weren't able to do a lot with her character because of, you know, like you said, they're, they're concentrating on Dante's whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of plays like she's the one cheated on all the time by her mm -hmm. husband and all that. But in the end, she comes out, she's, stronger. I mean, you, you see that she is really stronger underneath. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I think the character is not fleshed out that well. And I, I think that probably is a bit to do with Alexandre Dumas' own novel, but also just the way that the film was set up as well. There's <laughs> this is not going to pass any Bechtel test at all. She's pretty much the only female that's really in this film. That's true. She doesn't have a very good showing for herself. She is more or less there as as an accoutrement off of uh, Mondego's arm for most of the later half of the film. And then when she's like, you know, she does come forward and say, well, you know, this, 
it's not actually your son. It's actually Dante's son. And I've been just, you, you, you were the way I could, like you said, you were the way I could survive. And the character can be written. And I, I think, I believe in the book, I think the character does die. And I could be wrong on that, but she, there's not much to her. And the screenwriter didn't do much into changing her or improving her at all. So uh-huh. I don't have the chops to really figure out a way to make it a better character. But I think you could probably do a few things differently in the, in the storyline and, and make her a little bit more interesting too. But mm-hmm. I think she was quite serviceable as the character of Mercedes, but there wasn't too much of a character that was there. Right. Yeah. We're kind of wrapping up here a bit. Is there any other scenes that you want to mention or anything, any other highs or lows that you can think of that you want to talk about? Nothing that's coming to mind right now, but it was a very enjoyable film. And like I said, I think it's one that you could watch again to find the missing pieces that you didn't catch the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good story. It's a good film. But how good of a film is it really? At least at, at least for you on our show, we like to rate our films by how many full bags of popcorn we would give it. Remember, nobody here is Joe November. So no halvesies for us. But if you could rate this film with one to five full bags of popcorn, what would you give it? I'd say a four. I, I would agree with you with that. A four. I think that it's a great film. I think it's, I think it's really enjoyable, better than middle of the road. There's a couple things that they could have done just a little bit differently to really make it that excellent, excellent five. But I think a four is a good, good, strong recommendation for this for for me and for you as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank you very much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Like I said, at the beginning of this thing, my sister is not really on the internet. I'm the one in the family that's on the internet. I'm the one who does all the crazy, wacky stuff. My, my sister doesn't. So you can't go out and find her. You, I don't want you to go find her. If you want to bug somebody, bug me. And where can you bug me at? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Emma Muckabout, or you can find me on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my friend, Jeff, who strangely enough has also been thrown off a cliff into an ocean. True story. If you would like to be on the show, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at Jeff and Rick present all one word at gmail.com and a big thank you to the Longbox crusade network for letting me use this wonderful attic of their headquarters to broadcast the show it's really awesome and the best part is i can actually get out without tunneling my way out unlike clinton robinson who's in the basement he's trying to tunnel out but he can't <laughs> um, but i would also like to thank the Longbox Crusade members who help support this network. If you would like to support the network, head on over to Patreon and search for Longbox Crusade. That's all the time we have for this week. Grab the popcorn, pulp seat. We'll be back soon with our next episode. The music for this episode is Fall Back by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. Thank you.